An elderly woman lies in her own bed, vulnerable, alone. Hilda Marchbank, she was 89 years old. She lived in a house in Manchester, the outskirts of Manchester. It is night time. Does she recognise the person approaching her? Is it an intruder? And in 1992, she was cared for by her niece, Susan May, who was a full-time carer, also used to care for her own mother. Kerry Rutter is also a carer, one who, as she sat in the CBS reality jury room, could articulate the intensity needed to look after somebody who is defenceless. You were quite impassioned in the jury room about this case, you know, a carer judging a carer. Mm. That must be quite difficult, actually. Yeah, I mean, that's your sole purpose, isn't it? You, you're there to take the best interest of, of that person you're looking after, and you do become very personally involved with the person that you're looking after. Nobody was looking after Hilda Marchbank in her last few minutes alive. Susan May goes back, she enters, and she finds that Hilda is on a bed, that she's uh, obviously dead, and that she's got some sort of marks around her, her neck. Uh, so she calls the police, and uh, when the police come and see that the state of the body and marks on the body make it appear that there's been a, a, a strangulation or suffocation, then of course it's treated as suspicious and uh, an investigation begins. Tracy McCabe, another CBS reality jury member, soon became suspicious about one key piece of evidence uncovered by detectives, a mark made on the wall near the body and which had been put there by Susan May. Defence lawyers argued that the mark may have been made by sweat. Prosecutors disagreed. There's a bloody handprint. I mean, the prosecution said tests would have been done. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the defence are clutching at straws. Others on the jury tried to run with the defence. Debate became fraught. It obviously is her fingerprint and it is uh, Hilda's blood, but could she not have touched the bed, not touched the body, not remember touching she the body? She said she, she, she denied no. touching she said she doesn't remember touching anything else. Yeah, Susan May will eventually be found guilty of cold-bloodedly killing her aunt. She protested her innocence until the day she died. For CBS Reality, 12 specifically selected citizens were asked to revisit the case and consider evidence not heard by the original jury before reaching their own verdict. Full episodes of the series are available to view on CBS Reality. This podcast will review the case and the evidence and then hear from Trevor Rapson, a retired fireman, and Kerry Rutter, a full-time carer. They were two members of the CBS reality jury who heard, as we will, from defence barrister Matt Stanbury and former Metropolitan Police senior detective Colin Sutton. As you listen to the conflicting arguments of prosecution and defence, you too will be placed in the same position as the jury. As you weigh up the evidence, you might well ask, did Susan May really kill Aunt Hilda? There is blood around on the pillow and on the bed as well as on the body. Susan May says that she doesn't touch the body. She didn't touch the body when, uh, when she went in there. Colin Sutton, a 40-year veteran detective, describing one of the pieces of evidence which led to the conviction of Susan May, a bloody handprint on the wall near to her aunt's dead body. The blood was Aunt Hilda's. The print was Susan May's. This becomes important because as the investigation continues and the forensic scientific evidence retrieval starts, it's noted that there are three 
hand marks on a wall near where the body was, which are in a position which is consistent with somebody touching the wall on leaving <coughs> the bedroom, and they appear to be in blood. And of course, you know, somebody such as Susan May, who has lawful and legitimate access to the house anyway, would leave finger marks and would leave signs all over. However, if the marks are in blood, then it suggests that whoever left those marks had dealings with, touched the body uh, after the attack and is probably the, the murderer. You know, a fingerprint in blood is always a very convincing piece of evidence. With a boyfriend much younger than her, Susan May, a woman in her late 40s, seemed to live an expensive lifestyle for a carer. And as police pleased together the events of the night of March 11th, which saw Hilda Marchbank killed, they soon established one of the necessary foundation stones on which to build a case. Opportunity. Susan May had access to the house. She had keys because she would take the food round there. That said, having an opportunity to kill did not make Susan May a killer. And at first, investigators were sceptical about her as the potential murderer. Matt Stanbury, a regular defence barrister. The way in which Susan May was... Uh treated as a suspect or not treated as a suspect was uh, interesting in the sense that the police appeared initially at least to not not to treat her as a suspect they appeared to accept that she was somebody uh, who was entirely respectable uh, who had nothing but love for her aunt and that she couldn't possibly have committed this offense or at least that she hadn't fallen uh, under suspicion uh, she said things which later might have been seen as inconsistent with her defence. For example, she said that she hadn't touched the body, whereas it might have been said that she would have had a, an easier time of explaining the marks on the wall if she had accepted that. So certainly it could be said that perhaps she was too honest at times. But as the days followed, detectives seemed to have become almost obsessed with the marks on the wall near Hilda's bed. There are three, one of which is most definitely made by Susan May, and it's in blood. But how? She says she didn't touch the body. She makes this denial on a number of occasions, that she denies that, that she's touched the body at all. But of course, when the uh, prints on the wall are examined, it's found that they do indeed match with Susan May's handprints, and they are hers. Uh, so you've got either an outright lie or you've got to come up with some reason as to why they might be there. As they consider the case, investigators begin to tick boxes. Who has the opportunity to kill Hilda? Susan May. Who has left damaging forensic evidence at the scene of the crime? Susan May. And why would Susan May ask a deeply incriminating question as the investigation gathered pace? There were scratches on uh, Aunt Hilda's face. And scratches do, you know, if you scratch somebody else's face and you have fingernails of some sort, then material, DNA material from the face can be dragged under the fingernails. Now, S Susan May asks a detective sergeant that very point and says, if I've scratched somebody, if, if you scratch somebody, do, does stuff get under your fingernails? Do, do, is the material there that can link you back to the person you've scratched? Why would she ask that question? Scratch marks were indeed found on the face of Hilda Marchbank. The defence tried a tactic to get the evidence dismissed. 
That was then used against her, a comment that was not made under caution. She hadn't been warned that she might need to take care, that, she might, that these comments might be used against her. She didn't have a solicitor to advise her, uh, and yet those things were used against her. The way that Susan behaved, it just didn't seem, didn't seem right at all to me. But what about motive? Why would Susan kill the aunt that she had so lovingly cared for? She had debts, significant debts, not huge debts, but debts of around £7,000, but crucially she had no real means to pay for it. She, she'd had access to uh, Aunt Hilda's bank account and other family accounts, to, to money to which she was entitled for her caring duties, but they were now exhausted. She still had this debt and she would have been a beneficiary of Aunt Hilda's will. So there is a motive in terms of financial motive there, that she did stand to benefit. She wasn't the only person to benefit, but she would stand to benefit from Aunt Hilda's death. I wasn't actually surprised by it, to be honest. Kerry Rutter of the CBS reality jury. Before the case was even presented to us, I'd sort of already made a decision as to who the possibility um, the, the murderer would be. Um, because I, you hear these cases quite a lot, and it, quite often it is to do with the money. The reality of being a juror, however, can bring surprises. The original jury was told to disregard the prosecution evidence about Hilda Marchbank and her so-called missing money. The judge very fairly uh, at the trial, it seems, directed the jury that they shouldn't attach too much weight to that. The police had become very bogged down in it, it seems, in the uh, interviews with Susan May, but in fact the judge in the end said, well, there was no real way to gainsay what Susan May was saying when she said that that was uh, her money to spend, in effect. And then to suddenly be told, don't consider the money, that was, that was a little bit of a, a annoyance for me, because, it, I mean, these cases are often, again and again and again and again, tried through, through many, uh, through years and years of, of, of uh, time, this is one of the massive reasons that people kill. It's either love, it's um, money, greed, power. I can't for the life of me figure out why he would say... Because so many people had access to it. Obviously. And Susan May was being paid out of that account. So she had rights to some of that money. Yeah. Well, I think you can't really avoid it. I think as the, the original jury being told about this and then being told to disregard it, I think it would stay in your mind. Colin Sutton believed that the jury should have been allowed to consider the money evidence. I accept the fact that the judge told the jury not to worry about the money that, that Susan May had taken from the accounts, but that still doesn't get away from the fact that that money was exhausted. Although it was hers, there was no more, and she was £7,000 in debt with no means of paying it. So I would maintain that notwithstanding that we shouldn't look back and say this, this, you know, it's not a case of this woman has been systematically raiding her relatives' bank accounts. That's not the case. But it's still the case that she owed £7,000 and had no means to meet those debts and stood to benefit from Aunt Hill to dying. The final box that police must tick as they go through the checklist of evidence against Susan May concerned an alternative premise. Had Hilda Marchbank been murdered in a burglary which went wrong? There was a fundamental flaw in that theory. The fact that the house had no signs of forced entry is persuasive in that if there were a burglary, one would expect, wouldn't one, that there's some way of, of, of forcing entry. Which caused some 
suspicion on the part of the police and was used against Susan May at trial to say that there had been no burglary, there had been jewellery at the property, there had been a chequebook, none of which had been taken, which of course was inconsistent with a burglary having taken place. Although the defence would say, well, if there's been a disturbance and it's ended in murder, then of course the person may have panicked and left without having had the foresight to take the property or without wanting to stick around with the risk of being caught. For juror Trevor Apson, the final piece of the jigsaw completed the conviction picture against Susan May. It was more of a fact, was it a burglary? Was it someone breaking into the house or, or walking in through an open door? Or was it someone who, who knew the, uh, the victim? And it didn't seem that there was nothing missing from the house that wasn't a burglary. So the defence team had to overcome what seemed a strong prosecution case. Well, Susan May was 48 years old. She was a, an upstanding woman. She had no previous convictions or anything of the sort. Uh, and her case, the defence case, was simply that she was uh, caring for her aunt. She'd gone round the next day. Uh, she'd found the body and she'd been horrified. Uh, she had not touched the body. Uh, she uh, had not put her hands in any blood. Uh, she accepted that there had been an incident uh, a few weeks earlier when she had cut herself uh, in the home and that that was a possible explanation uh, and various other possible explanations were offered as to how the marks had got on the wall. So all of these points were all raised to cast doubt uh, on the prosecution case and to say that these marks alone and this supposed motive uh, of a financial motive were not anything close to being able to prove uh, that she had committed this awful crime. The case was strong enough to convince a jury. Susan May was found guilty and sentenced to life. She appealed. Perhaps she said she had forgotten touching Hilda's body, which would explain the blood print. That was dismissed. She appealed again. There were issues about the quality of the uh, forensic uh, examination, the way in which the scene was preserved or not preserved by the police when they came because of course this was a time when forensic science wasn't uh, as advanced uh, as it is now. Her team argued that the forensic work at the scene had been generally poor and the appeal court agreed but said the vital bloody handprint evidence was sound so the conviction stood. In 2005 Susan May was released on parole. Campaigning journalists continued to protest her innocence and in 2012 unearthed new evidence from a Dutch fingerprint expert. Well it's now understood and believed that there, are, that there is fresh evidence that casts doubt upon the uh, marks on the wall uh, and, and whether in fact these were uh, blood marks. It was suggested at the trial and during the appeals that uh, some of the blood was, uh, that it was blood, that it was either human blood or the blood of a higher primate as it was put. Uh, but the, it's now understood that there's fresh expert evidence from uh, an expert uh, fingerprint, uh, in fingerprint analysis, an expert in fingerprint analysis from the Netherlands, uh, and that he's cast doubt upon whether in fact these marks were blood at all, and that the marks uh, in fact uh, may have been or were sweat marks on the wall, uh, and indeed that they may have been there for some time prior to the uh, offence, and of course it's difficult at this stage to, to say where that evidence might lead, but on the face of it, clearly that is evidence which would significantly undermine the prosecution case, which so heavily depended on this having been uh, Aunt Hilda's blood 
uh, and it having been uh, Susan May's handprint in that fresh blood. Investigation experts have dismissed this suggestion as too little and too late. There are presumptive tests that were done in this case for blood. And they can be, yes they can be, there are certain substances that can fool uh, that test. But sweat isn't one of them. And as I understand it, of course, by the time the, the Dutch expert gets to look at it, he's looking at images of the handprint and saying it isn't blood. If the presumptive test for blood said it was blood, I'd be inclined to go with that. In 2013, Susan May died. She protested her innocence to her dying day. Her supporters continued to do so. Did it matter to you when you discovered that she had died, protesting her innocence? It didn't matter to me in as much as I was trying to base it on what was actually happened. And uh, the fact that someone might try to profess their innocence even though they, they were dying, that wasn't really what I was being asked to, to, to judge, really. It, it, it could just be, I mean, would you bluff if you're about, I don't know. But w what I was trying to do was judge what had happened uh, in the house on, on the night in question. The handprint on the wall. The handprint on the wall, which was probably, you know, was probably her. And the, um, what about the Dutch, the Dutch fingerprint expert well, the Dutch, now says it's well, not that, that blood, but that was a bit strange. It, it wasn't really, he wasn't a great, in some ways it wasn't a great expert opinion because he only saw a photograph and that was just his opinion, which was then uh, contradicted by the, uh, uh, the people who were actually there. Clearly, if this fresh evidence uh, it, it is, proves to be persuasive, then not only is it persuasive in its own right, but it also may have the effect of undermining uh, and adding to the concerns that already exist about the crime scene, the preservation of the crime scene, the concerns that already uh, exist generally about the weaknesses in the prosecution case. Uh, and in effect, this new evidence might lend sufficient weight to those concerns to be able to say, that this isn't a safe conviction, that Susan May isn't guilty of this offence and that her conviction should be quashed. I found this particular case that the defence was very, very weak in, in my humble opinion. But, but Trevor Carey, it's interesting you say that because one of, the, one of the people in the current campaign for Susan May says that very thing. Her defence has always been appallingly put before trial, jury and appeal court. Well, as, a, as a juror, I guess, you can only really go on. What you, hear. what you hear, the prosecution and the defence can, a good defence or a good prosecution can maybe make you make the wrong decision perhaps. I mean that is all part of it isn't it? And taking the job of a juror seriously was something all 12 were determined to do. I still believe in the, um, in the process of, of using a jury of 12 people from different walks of life, from different um, backgrounds, with different trains of thought, that this process does work. The defence team believe that Susan May's case should be examined again by the Criminal Cases Review Commission. They think her not guilty. What do you think? Imagine right now that you're on the jury having just heard what Trevor Rapson and Kerry Rutter heard. Put yourself in the position of the original jury sitting just a year or so since the murder was committed. Is Susan May the killer? Is she guilty or not guilty? What is your verdict? You can watch the full episodes on CBS Reality. Join me next time on the Jury Room Podcast as we consider another case of a convicted murderer protesting their innocence.